All right, we're back. Another episode of uh, Landmine Radio here. Very happy to be with uh, former Speaker of the House, John Harris. Jeff, how are you? I'm, I'm really, really good. I've, uh, <laughs> you probably don't remember, the first time we met was back in 2011. I was running for the state Senate. I, actually, I was running for the House, and I switched later. But I saw you at like an a event for the Dome. And uh, I knew you were the former Speaker, and I, you live, we live in the same district. And yes, as, a lo- as a lobbyist, you can donate to people... In your district only, right? Correct. So I was like, "Hey, I'm or, John. or whoever you can vote for." Okay, so like that, like statewide mm-hmm. candidates, or so right. I said, "Hey, John Harris, I'm Jeff Landfield. I'm I'm running for office here in the Senate and uh, against Liesel, And uh, could you give me some money?" And you were like, "Who in the <laughs> fuck are you? you know? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you?" <laughs> uh, so we got to. Well, you become much better known now. I I think yeah, uh, maybe famously or infamously. <laughs> Uh, well, I wanted to chat with you. We've gotten to know each other over the years, mm-hmm. and uh, you're a very interesting character. You always have good stories, and <laughs> you've been around. So first, I want to chat a little bit about you, your history in the legislature, and then kind of now you're you know lobbyist, and then talk a little bit about what's going on in the House and kind of some of the issues surrounding the organization. So sure. you were from Valdez, right? Correct. And you were elected from, from Valdez. Valdez, yeah. And you were in there for how many years? Twelve years, six terms. So all in the House. All in the house, yeah. And well, you were speaker for how many? Two terms. Two ter- mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, there's 40 people in the house. Uh-huh. Uh, you on, know, on a good day. On a good, well, right now there's 39, right? <laughs> That's right. Because Sadler's yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, so <coughs> of all the still pe- haven't decided the Fairbanks race yet, so maybe 38 right now. Right, yeah, it's, uh, it's still coming up, I guess, January, they're saying, right? So, I mean, what does it take to be speaker? I mean, what are the what are the kind of... I mean, obviously, leadership's the most important one, but who, who gets to become speaker? How does well, that... the most important thing is to be able to get 21 people to support you and stay with you uh, the whole time. That's, uh, that's the most important thing, um, the numbers, of course. But, you know, the second part is, I, I, you know, I think a lot, of people, a, lo- a lot of people look at the speaker, the president of the Senate or whatever and say, oh, they're this powerful position or they're this or they're that. But, you know, really being speaker, being president of the Senate is sort of a coalescing position. You need to be able to keep your caucus or the majority caucus together and also work very well with the minority. And that's, uh, you know, something that I always prided myself in. And I think, you know, Mike Chenault did the same thing when he was speaker. He worked, uh, you know, we both worked across party lines to try and, you know, make sure the minority didn't feel like they were left out of the process. And um, and then also to keep, you know, your majority together. And, um, you know, in any in any group, there's differences of opinion, like a, like a philosophy, family, right? yes, and people representing different areas of the state, all that kind of thing. So you have to try to, you know, do everything you can to balance all that out and and try to keep it as happy as possible. So when 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 you're you talk about the minority, uh, sometimes depending on how big the majority is, oftentimes for certain votes you need the other the minority to you know certain draws or sure. certain proced- yeah. procedural things. So. Uh, I think the big one they always talk, it's the CBR one, right? The constitutional mm-hmm. draw, that's a three, three-quarters? Three-quarter vote, uh-huh. So when, when you were, um, how long were you in the legislature before you became speaker? Uh, I was speaker my, uh, see, so I had six terms, my fourth and fifth terms. So I served three terms before I became speaker. So most people that are, I, most people that are speaker, I mean, Chenault and 
Bryce and before. I mean, they've been they've been around for a little bit. They've been around the, the process or in the legislature. Yeah, Representative Chenault was uh, the four years that I was speaker. He was co-chair of finance, um, and so uh, he had you know he it was a and I was co-chair of finance before I became speaker. So it was sort of a stepping up position. And uh, and I think Mike had been in the legislature two years less than I had at the time. He came in two years after I did. So, you know, he had a lot of years of experience as well. So why did you decide to run for office in the first place originally? Well, I— um, You were you were a te- teamster? Or? Yes. Our family uh, our family business in Valdez, hair, sand, and gravel, not a plug, but it, just reality. Plug it. It's plug, a, it. Plug, no, plug it all you want, a, baby. <laughs> is uh, uh, I, grew up, I grew up in that business, and, of course— a number of things happened in Valdez that helped it grow, the Trans-Alaska Pipeline and the oil spill and some of those kinds of things. And there was a lot of, you know, our, we're small sand and gravel, concrete, asphalt, construction-type company, and there was quite a bit of business there. And so uh, I never really left there um, until I got into politics. And, um, and I was a teamster, and so when I got into politics, I kind of left the family business and I went and worked for— different companies, mostly Houston Contracting, Arctic Slope Regional Corporation subsidiary, worked up and down the pipeline at the terminal in Valdez on the North Slope. And so, but then, you know, I've always had an interest in politics and I was in the local city council there and mayor and that sort of thing. And then I ran um, for what I thought, well, was going to be an open seat, uh, Representative Gene Cabina, who had served as a representative of that district for quite a few years retired or didn't run again and um so i ran for the open seat and barely won were you in a primary or a general or both both yeah i had a primary and then uh, a three-way primary was able to get through that and then won the general by 12 votes over a fellow who was a good friend of mine uh, named tom van brocklin who uh, passed passed away after that but uh, how many votes were cast oh i don't remember how many there were you know a few thousand probably but uh but uh it came down to 12 votes, and so it was a close race. Anyway, um, but that was that was the beginning of my six terms as, uh, as so you, legislator. You were in there from, what, 2000? What, what year was your first year? Um, I got elected in 98, so 99 was my first year. You were there until 2011, I guess, or 12? Mm-hmm. 2010. So you you were there during all the Palin stuff, all the VK, mm-hmm. all that stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, you probably, have, you probably have stories, don't you? You probably have a lot of stories. Uh, there's probably a lot I don't know and don't want to know as well. No, but, I just uh, in general about that about that you know. Oh the, no, it was a, time. interesting times. I mean, you know the uh, the uh, uh, the Vico bill and et cetera type stuff happened under uh, Governor uh, Murkowski, and then Governor Palin came in after that, and you know, so it was kind of it was kind of a um, it was really a a sad time for the history of the state, but. It was an interesting time, too, because we had people, you know, we had people leaving the legislature in handcuffs and not a lot of fun to try and hold hold groups together. Were you speaker things. when Palin was governor or no? Were you? Her first two years, yep. So how, how was, you had a good relationship with her or how, how'd that? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, I tried to do everything I could. And I, you know, we had a, we had an interesting group of people. We had some folks who um, were completely opposed to what, Governor Palin was was doing, and we had a number of them that were very supportive, and so it was kind of uh, it was kind of a split group, and um, so uh, it, it my my 
the, the four years I was speaker were the last two years of Governor Murkowski and the first two years of Governor Palin. So quite a bit of difference between the two. So was there, at that time with the Senate, was it a coalition or was it Republicans? The coalition started in 06, I think, right? The first the, the coalition was my second term as speaker. Uh, uh, Lida Green uh, from... Tuck, Tuckerman Babcock's mother-in-law. That's correct, yeah. Uh, <laughs> was the uh, Senate president, uh, I believe, under that coalition. The first time I was speaker, Ben Stevens was uh, was president of the Senate. Who's also in the... He took a job with the Dunleavy administration. I he saw that, a, yeah. yeah. He's a... Uh, Getting paid pretty good, you know. <laughs> I like I like Ben. We got along. We there's a lot of jokes about the two of us. Neither one of us are very tall or vertically challenged, and so <laughs> uh, they do these little things called the skits, which I know you know something. Uh, about. Yeah, I went to one last year, and it was the first time I went, and it was uh, I mean, it was really, really, really after, funny. After the skits turned out to well, be kind yeah, of fun. After right? I was attacked by a staff insult, I was literally attacked by a guy. You know, it's like you can't make this shit up. I know, but I was there, and it was really funny. But I heard that in years past, it was like. 10 times funnier. They've really kind of, mm-hmm. in some ways, scaled it. And it's supposed to be, if you guys are listening don't know what the skits are, once a year they all the staffers make fun of the legislators. And it's supposed to be a very, you know, people enjoy it. They don't record it. They don't, you know, but this time there was some staffer people there that were trying to, you know, take notes and kind of maybe ruin it a bit. But it's, it is, it is very, it was very, very funny. Yeah, and there have been some legislators that have been hit pretty hard by it, and they took it very personal. And uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it, it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be, you know, they definitely poke fun at, at activities that you may or may not be real proud of yourself for, for being involved mm-hmm. with. But, it, you know, it's usually um, and it and it's typically staff people who put it on and they they're talented. They sing, they they dance, they act, they do all that kind of stuff. And yeah, there uh, were some great ones so, last, and, uh, last yeah, time. But, but Ben Stevens and I were in one uh, one time when we were both presiding officers and it went kind of like this. You know, we were both sitting at this table and, of course, the table um, – the chairs were higher than the floor, you know, because, you know, so we were sitting there with our feet dangling away, talking about how we we're going to resolve the problems of the legislature. Neither one of our feet hit the floor. <laughs> we're just going like lickety splits, you know, they're back like and forth kid. talking like two little guys will do, you know, on their feet. We're just going and neither one of us could hit the floor, you know, so people laugh. It was a it, it got a lot of applause. People thought that was pretty. Yeah, funny. there was some there was some pretty. pretty <laughs> it's funny how many people, you know, a lot of politicians in the state and you know candidates. And it's funny how many um People get elected who are just so thin-skinned. <laughs> you, just, can't, you can't be real thin-skinned in the in the game if you're going to last very long. But there's a lot of them that are. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. I, some oh, of yeah. them. You know, you write you write yeah. their name and they call you and they and they. Yeah. You know, it's just it's incredible to me. Yeah. It's, and the one, some of the the most thin-skinned ones, you wouldn't ever guess it if you met them. Right. But it's uh, so. Well, so I, I grew up in the sand and gravel and the rock crushing business and all that and. I've been hit on the on the head with rocks, and you know people will say, "Well, that's why you're so short." But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but so. So did you did know. you know Bill when you were in Valdez? Were you did you kind of grow up with Bill Walker a bit, or were you guys? He's old, he's older than I am, but yes, uh, I I used to as a kid. I used to watch him play basketball, the Valdez Buccaneers. You know, so oh, he wow. was a, he was a he was a good he was a very good basketball player, and they had some really good teams. They used to play Unalakleet and other schools like that. Uh, Delta Junction and other schools, you know, they did very well. They were good teams. So, so, so you got out, and then right when you got out of the legislature, you went into the lobbying, right? Or well, you had to probably I wait had a, a city yeah, sit out a year. That, that was the law became the law, and that was fine. Um, What'd you do for the year? Oh, I worked for Houston Contracting for Arctic Slope Regional Corporation um, as a teamster. Okay, and uh, so I did that, and uh, uh, and then I went into lobbying and 
this is my, I guess this will be my eighth year as a lobbyist now. So, so there's all kinds so. of different, I mean, lobbyists come from all different backgrounds and, mm-hmm. um, not that many are former legislators. I mean, some are, I guess. Right. But it seems like oh, more, yeah, more, more there aren't. Yeah. There are. Uh, Eldon Mulder's, he's a lobbyist, uh-huh. right? Oh yeah. There's, there's, there's a variety. Yeah, there's, there's, I don't know how many there are. There's a few that are legislators, former legislators. Um, I, I heard there and, was, uh. I heard there was two kinds of lobbyists. Someone told me daytime lobbyists and nighttime lobbyists. <laughs> and, and someone said to me, they said one day they were saying you should become a lobbyist. And I go, oh, I don't know if I. A lot of those people hate me, like that, you know, because I, I I light them up all the time. But but they said there's daytime, and I, what's what's that? And daytime is the person who goes to the Capitol meetings and you know during the day hustles. And I guess nighttime is like take them to dinner, get drinks, you know, do mm. it do it at night. And someone, the person who told me that said. Either you're either one or the other, but somebody was like, "I think you'd be good at both." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the the laws have changed now, and so now you can't buy alcohol uh, for legislators or staff. Or what do you think about that? I think that's so ridiculous. I mean, what's wrong with buying somebody a drink? I mean, like, well, I'm not going to comment on that too much because the law is the law. But uh, you know, I I always felt when I was a legislator and even as a lobbyist, that if you can buy a legislator off or buy somebody from the administration off with a drink, yeah, no, they're pretty easy to buy off, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's a pretty cheap, cheap buy off. So, but, but, you know, I understand the public, you know, the public perception of what lobbyists do or what happens, whether it's in Juneau or Washington, D.C. or wherever it may be, um, is, you know, they're a bit skeptical of the whole, of the whole process. And, you know, lobbyists really are representing, representing, uh, groups of people or individuals, depending upon who hires you, to be their sort of their spokesperson in the in the legislative arena and the administrative arena as well, and rather than them sending forty or fifty people down there to to do a whole bunch of stuff or even five or six people, they hire a person who's familiar with the system, knows the players, um, and can articulate their position. Um, without having to, like I said, without having to hold yeah, a whole I mean, bunch of people. Yeah. People can, you know, like lobbyists or, or not, but I mean, I've gotten very familiar with the system doing this, the, the website and stuff and getting to know people. And I mean, I, I'm pretty sure without lobbyists, like that place would be a disaster. I mean, because a lot of times lobbyists like help people understand things or they explain, mm-hmm. th- I mean, they have a that background, that knowledge. And they're, I mean, it's a definitely an important part of the whole process. Yeah, I mean, and with any profession, I don't care what it is, any profession, you can have, Good apples and bad apples. I mean, that's yep. just that's just part of human nature. And some some people um, maybe live around the edges of the law more than others. But you know, that's that's just human nature. So um, I think you know, overall, probably ninety eight percent of the lobbyists, if not, you know, I don't want to say, you know, but I mean, you know, most of the lobbyists, maybe all the lobbyists, for that matter. Live within uh, live within the framework of the law and try to do the very best they can for their clients. Yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten a lot of lobbyists over the last year, and you know, yeah, I like it, it, there's all like kinds it. of different people that are lobbyists, different backgrounds. You know, some people, some people like me, come from being legislators. Some people come from being staff members uh, for legislators, or some people come from being commissioners or administrative people, and some just come out of the general. Um, you, you know, a workplace out there that they decide they like that kind of they'd like that kind of thing, and they and they go into it. There's no set rules, or you know, you you have to be a lawyer, or you have to be a business person, or you have to be a legislator, or whatever. It's uh, it's open to anybody. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty you know? pretty diverse group of people that are. But you sort of, I mean, you really need to know the system, and uh, sometimes 
if you don't know the system, you can get burned by the system. Your clients could get burned by the system, and so you just, you know, you work through it. So let's talk a little bit about, okay, the current House situation. Uh-huh. Uh, after the election, the Republicans kind of declared victory. They spiked the football. They had that press conference. You were there. I was there, too. Yes, sir. And they had 21, but David Eastman was not in the room. He was, I guess, across the street on the phone or some bullshit. I mean, that's just bullshit. But they, I right away kind of said, this isn't going to, I mean, 21 out of 40, you really need what do you think the minimum is? You need to have a, a, is a 25 maybe? Is it? Well, the minimum is 21, well, I mean, but you the, better have the, 21 people that can agree to stay together what, and on, on almost every issue. What do you think you need to really have a, like, what, what, what's the ideal kind of? Oh, I, I, I govern. I mean, the caucus that I was involved with, we had 24. Um, that was close. I mean, you know, it was, you, you had to make sure everybody was happy, basically, you know. You didn't want to have two or three off the reservation or you had a difficult time getting things passed or then you had to rely on minority members to help you get with, things with, passed. With 24, you could have up to three people, right. maybe on any individual vote. So with 21, any one person can kill the— Basically has veto power. That's right. So this whole thing happened. Le- bond was up there, and, and he was in a close race. It wasn't as close then. Then it got a lot closer. That It was tied. Now there's one one vote. There's a lawsuit. Um, so they had 20. Um if depending on that race, and then there was this whole Sadler situation with Dahlstrom, which mm-hmm. even really further kind of complicated it. But then Gary Knopp says, "I'm out of here. This <laughs> is not going to." So now you have kind of this schism, this split of you know Democrats, Republicans, and then the Democrats have a few like Gabriella Du and Louise Stutes and the Republicans and Dan. So, I mean, what 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 kind of what's going on? What do you think's gonna? What, what's your kind of read on all this? Well, I mean, obviously, the first thing is, maybe not the first thing, but one thing is they've got to determine who's going to win that Fairbanks race. And that's a court issue, and the courts will end up making the decision on who wins that So it's down to one vote, or no, it's she's, she, LeBond's up by one vote, and the Dodge is suing over four votes. Right. The court, the court ultimately is going to make the decision. And, you know, there's no appealing the Supreme Court decision, as far as I know, anyway. Um, They're going to have the final say on who the, on who the, the winner is. And if it's tied, they'll go to that coin flip or some kind of way to decide through the well, through a game we, of if, chance. I, I doubt that the court's going to rule that it's tied. I doubt that. I think the court will rule a winner. You think so? Yeah, I don't think they're going to go for it. Because didn't with, 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 with Bryce Edgman in 2006, that went to court, didn't it? Mm, I don't know if it went to court or I think not. It went but to court. It, I think it went to court. I think but, it was a tie, maybe state a tie. It had multiple. it had multiple recounts, I believe, and it finally ended up in a tie. And they had a coin flip to determine the winner there. But so I don't know if it went to court or not. I'm not I can't remember. I, I don't. I think I, I think I remember thinking read, read it did. It might have, yeah. I don't and then know. went to the coin flip. So, mm-hmm. so Gary's Republican from the from the Kenai. He basically said, um, "This is crazy. This isn't going to work. I'm not going to be on board with this 21 thing." Uh-huh. Especially when David Eastman votes like 70 sometimes <laughs> against the whole bot. You know, uh-huh. all 39 of them. So, I mean, the legislature starts 15th. When you were speaker, were you guys more or less kind of organized by this point, or? Oh yes, we organized. But but one of the times that I was speaker, we had to we we had an attempted coup, so to speak. We organized, and then we had some folks who decided they weren't happy with the organization and they wanted to do something different. And we were, uh, uh, you know, the. Uh, How'd you find uh, out? Oh, it wasn't that difficult. There's lots of people that that talk, you know. So, every, every, I, you so know. I do this, you know, web thing in the. And the, the, everyone's so chatty. <laughs> it's like really hard to get somebody. It didn't not take chatty. it didn't take very long before information started coming back. So, you know, so, so what? When, so it was not successful. 
what do you do after that? I mean, it's like if you if you go after the king and you don't get him, then you you got problems, right? Well, you still have to have twenty one to govern, and you need more than that. So, you know, my I never like to be punitive. I mean, there's some people that probably that might have considered me to be punitive at times, but um, there are certain actions of anybody in any kind of business or office or anything else that if they do certain things, there needs to be, you know, certain things need to happen, right? But if you're too punitive in a 23, 24 person majority, three people leave and you don't have a majority anymore. So you have to work with people. I mean, that's what a lot of people tend to forget is that you have to work with different personalities. You have to learn to accommodate certain things. That's probably the biggest you do. attribute for a speaker, any legislator in general is be able, be able to work with personalities, understand because mm-hmm. pers- some people have no ability right? and they don't go very far. They just kind of, they're a voice and they yell and scream. Right. And, and so it's not easy, but you know, in our, in our case, um, you know, we were a pretty tight knit group of leadership people, you know, Mike Chenault, uh, Ralph Samuels, John Coghill, Norm Rokeberg, um, uh, Kevin Meyer, um, you know, those, those are some of the leadership folks yeah, that we so, had. So, and, so and, people, yeah. and, and, uh, so, and they, and, and we all banded together and supported each other and, and we were able so, to bring it back together. But, but that's history. Now today, what you have is, um, you have some really diverse personalities you have some folks that were attacked by their own party members, you know, uh, and, uh, and, you know, by their own party. I mean, you know, that ran, you know, it's Republicans. Gabriel and, and Louise. And it's, uh, and, 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 you know, the rhino, you know, the rhino saying, you know, Republican in name only type of a deal. I mean, <laughs> I can tell you this much. For many years that I served in legislature, whether it was as a member of leadership or not, we had at least one Democrat and sometimes more. And, you know, Richard Foster, God rest his soul, was with us. And he never got defeated by the Democrats in Nome, in that Nome area. And Richard was a very, very, um, he, was, he was a very conservative Democrat, but a Democrat nonetheless and, and never ran as a Republican or never, you know, and, um, and always did fine. Well, and, Neil, and, Neil was in the... And, and Neil Repo- was in the... the yeah. what, what has to happen is... And Bryce and, even, the speaker. And, and Bryce. What has to happen, though, is you have to understand regions, and you have to understand what the people of those regions really want. And if you, as a group, decide you're going to be punitive toward members of your own majority um, and go after certain regions um, based on population or whatever it might be, you can probably expect some backlash. And it, you cannot expect that legislators from certain regions are going to be supportive of issues that hurt them. You can't ask them to vote for those things. And that happens sometimes. That, that was my perspective, anyway, of watching that happen. I mean, I can remember us telling Representative Foster, you know, don't vote for this. This is not good for you, you know, not good for your area. And please don't vote for this because we want you back and we want you back with us. But we know that a vote for this, even mm-hmm. though you might be loyal, you know, whatever in our caucus and whatever, is going to hurt you. So don't feel like you have to vote for that. And that and, 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 and you, you can and, have that luxury if you have enough people. Right. But well, but you shouldn't be bringing it up if you don't. Right. If you don't have it to pass, why are you? I mean, is it just an exercise in throwing out a, an idea that doesn't have the support to pass? I, I, I never felt like that was so, so I, I thought you, that you, was a waste of the public's time. 
and the waste of the legislature's time if you knew something wasn't going to pass to begin with and you spent a lot of time trying to shove it so, down people's throats. I, I just didn't believe that that, was, uh, that that was a good use of time. Some people do. Some people believe that is, so but how, that how did you, mine. How did you go about dealing with people? I mean, there's people now. I mean, David Eastman's probably the biggest <laughs> example, and there's Laura Ryan Bolt. She's going to the Senate. But there's people who seem to, they, they, their whole existence in the politics is to just, I don't know if it's cause trouble, if that's their goal, but they cause trouble, and they do things <laughs> that, I mean, everybody else looks at it, what are you doing? And you, I, you can't, I mean, yeah. I was going to say I in business, you can fire know some. That, yeah, I don't know, Jeff, that it's their intent to cause trouble. I mean, Maybe I, think, not their intent, but I think what their intent is is to get their personal um, ideas across. And they believe in that very strongly, and they're entitled to do that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And the public in their area votes for them and elects them, and they don't have any problem. My point is that if you don't have if you if you are a legislator senator house member and you have an idea and you're throwing it at everybody and boom 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 and it's not sticking to the wall yeah don't expect everybody else to to carry your water for you if they don't believe in it you got to understand that your position is your position but you can't force everybody to try and go that way um if you can get them that way that's fine but if they can't then that idea Obviously, he's not going to carry the day. I was just going to say when you were talking about the the coup thing and the punitive stuff and you know, consequences <clears> and <throat> even you know causing trouble uh, in business or anything else, you can like if somebody really does something wrong, you can fire them. But in the legislature, you can't. You can't. No, and it's a good thing because the public in their area voted for them, and you know every two years or four years they get the opportunity to throw them out or reelect them, mm -hmm. whichever they choose to do. And it's up to the legislator to convince the, the public in their area that their ideas and their concepts and their behavior was good enough to get reelected. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So for like you said, that for a long time there was rural <coughs> Democrats like uh, Neil Foster, Richard Foster, Bryce Edgman, um, Nagiak. They Bob were in Aaron, the, yeah, Bob others, yeah. So they were with the Republican majorities. And then I, I guess that's probably changed because now when Bryce, when the Democrats took over, now they've had the last two years, they've had kind of the power. And now it seems like normally the ones who might be with the Republicans, they, they aren't. And they, if they were, I guess they'd have a majority. But now they've kind of shifted that rule, those rural Democrats a little bit to be more with Democrats instead of Republicans. Well, you know, you might look at how they were treated. Right, exactly. You might look at that. I don't know. I mean, I'm a novice to this stuff, but you might look at how they were treated. Well, I think it's pretty obvious you can't, watching the gavel. You can't and, shove ideas of some areas of the state down their throat in other areas of the state and expect them to like it because it hurts them. That's just the way that the state is made up. Not every area of the state benefits the same way for certain programs or lack of certain programs. You know, we have very conservative parts of the state. We have very moderate parts of the state and probably some that are considered to be more liberal parts of the state when it comes to various concepts. And you have to understand that if you're going to throw a hardcore conservative idea of cut the heck out of the government and we want no government programs or very limited government programs, etc., down the throats of people who believe that they kind of depend on those programs for their livelihood or for health and welfare or public safety or whatever. They don't like that. Yeah. And if you tell them you have to vote the, the line of the caucus, even though it's going to really crucify your area, pretty soon they're not going to want to vote with you anymore. 
and they go look for somewhere else. And that may be, I'm just taking a guess here, a wily guess. Wow. <laughs> that may be what has happened. Is that, <laughs> is that some folks have said, I don't want to deal it's, with it's, this It's anymore. almost like you could almost <clears throat> draw the analogy. It's almost like a playground, you know? I mean, the kids get together, and they, well, once you play nice, they, they and then some of them don't play nice, and then they... Yeah. They don't play, they play with other groups. And, you know, and I happen to, you know, I happen to like the legislators uh, from rural Alaska a lot. I mean, I benefited a tremendous amount by them when I was in the legislature, um, did, did everything we could to try and help them. You, um, when you were, uh, you, you represented probably some rural area, right? In your district? Yeah, my area was rural compared to Anchorage, say, or Fairbanks or Natsu or the Kenai Peninsula, maybe, or something like that. Uh, but, it wasn't rural that it wasn't on the road system. My area was always on the road okay. system. It, it had access. I'm from Valdez, and, of course, Valdez isn't really considered to be a poor little town. You know, Valdez they're do, they're is doing okay. pretty affluent for a small town, right? I mean, you know, it has the Trans-Alaska Pipeline Terminal there. It has relatively high-paying, uh, you know, wages and et cetera. And um, so it's not considered to be a poor little right. little town that can barely make its way, right? And so— <clears throat> I, um, I, I was rural, but I wasn't rural compared to, you know, some of the folks who live and represent some of these rural villages that we have that don't have running water in some cases, certainly don't have, uh, outdoor, you know, yeah. I mean, don't, don't, you know, plumbing, you know, some of that kind of stuff. And they have a much more difficult time of things. And I recognize that right off the top. I mean, I said, look at, you know, they're hurting out there compared, you know, maybe they don't have an economy and maybe they have, you know, difficult. It's a more of a, a subsistence type of economy. But it's up to Anchorage legislators. It's up to Fairbanks, Matsu and other legislators to understand their, their positions as well and try to help where they can. I mean, now we have a governor, right? We have Governor Dunleavy who spent a fair amount of time, a fair amount of time in rural Alaska, in Kotzebue and yeah, Norvig 20, 20 and other there. places like that. He is very familiar with a uh, lifestyle that some folks le- le- lead and live up there that is poor. I mean, very poor. And, you, you know, I'm thinking uh, if Governor Hammond might have been the other governor that really might have had that experience. I, I'm thinking governors down the, down, the, down the list of the governors we have. Probably Governor Hammond, who also lived in rural Alaska. He was out there uh, in the Lake and, Lake and Penn area, right? Right. Um, but I don't, I'm trying to think of any other governor that really did that. I, I can't think of I'm them. Going right back now. thinking to it, I don't uh, know. But, uh, um, and so, you know, Governor Dunleavy has lived it personally. Certainly his wife has lived it personally, uh, gr- growing up in the smaller communities. And so, you know, if anybody can understand and make it more relevant, then then he should be able to. Um, and it's important because that's how you're going to solve this house problem because we'll rotate all the way back down to back the question we were at. How are you going to solve this house problem? The house problem is going to get resolved by people who will come together and understand that we have to support each other. It can't just be my idea or mm-hmm. their idea. It has to be our idea. Well, in the current, I mean, they fell apart with not believing, but those 21, there, there was no rural members. I don't, I don't believe. There was, it was all yeah, might Anchorage, not, Fairbanks. Might, might not have been, I think that, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It was no, there was no rural representation in the, whole, yeah. in the whole thing. So, well, I guess the session's about a month away. Uh, if we don't get a clear majority formed by then, I guess I was doing some research and, 
the lieutenant governor, they, they gavel in, right? Mm-hmm. And if there's no clear majority, does does Meyer kind of run the house for a bit, or what? What's the deal there? If well, don't... I mean, they'll have to determine that internally, you know, amongst themselves. But they're not going to want to have that happen for very long. Obviously, you know, you have to be able to get committee assignments, office assignments. Yeah. Um, Kevin's probably all looking, those kind of things. Kevin's probably excited, like he's going to have something to do for him. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe oh, I think he has plenty to do. <laughs> I think he has plenty to do. You know, Kevin and I go way back. We're friends and. Very good friends. Yeah, and, uh, he, he was and, my uh, senator before redistricting, so mm-hmm. I've, I've known him and, for years. And he's too. a very, you know, he's a very good person, and he has a very nice family and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So he, uh, uh, but he'll have plenty to do. I'm sure that's not what he really wants to no, do. No, I was, to try just, to, I was just being. Just try to ride herd on 40 members of the house, trying to figure out how to govern hey, themselves. Maybe we could do like a meme for the landmine or a video like Kevin Meyer, like I'm back <laughs> to the I house. I think you know, you know, Kevin served with me. Uh, I served with him, you know, for. A number of years in the house and then he decided to go become a senator so did you ever think uh, about doing senator no i thought about it but you know i came from the southern part of the district and the northern part of the district uh was fairbanks uh and 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 then it, and then it became a part of the mad valley and so they were always areas that you know had somebody from there mm-hmm. and so i didn't uh I didn't. You know, i've run twice for the senate both times unsuccessfully uh as you know <laughs> And I don't know if it's I... It's always if, a third time. Well, there's third time's a charm, but I tell you what, somebody once, Randy, one time Randy Redrick told me when they were trying to get me to run for the house instead of against Chris Tuck, and I, I didn't want to switch, but he told me something. He goes, look, you know, if you look at the Senate makeup, look who's in there. They're going to be there forever, most of them. Look at how, look at the age, comp, look, look at who they are. Right. It's very boring. It's very, not very fun. He goes, now look at the fucking house. Like, that's where you belong. <laughs> and looking at all this stuff over the last few years, I think if I run it again, it's, I think I'm much better suited for the house. That's where it gets a little scrappy. It can. It's, it's, I mean, you have twice as many members, obviously. You have a lot of folks who run for the house as the beginnings of their career as a legislator, not their ending career. Like Kevin, for, you know, Kevin, for yeah. example. And a lot of, well, he was, he if, was if you, if you look at the Senate makeup right now, a lot of them are former House members. Um, mm-hmm. uh, before this, you know, Anna McKinnon was a House member. Uh, some of that have left now. Kevin, of course, was a, Kevin Meyer was a House member. Coghill. Or John Coghill. You know, there's a whole bunch of them you could list. There are some who just ran for the Senate, and that, that's what they, you know, but, but a lot of them are former House members. And so, um, and when they go to the Senate, of course, it's like a, a breath, you know, you release, release your breath because it's not as many members. It's sort of a slower, more methodical pace versus the house seemingly like rushing around, rushing around, rushing around kind of because of so many people. And, well, just, and just so, look at how the Senate organized. They did it so well. I mean, they waited, method, like you said, methodical. They had their very specific announcement. Sure. Everybody was announced. It was, it was very, it was. You know, I, I don't think I'd have a lot of fun in the. I think I'd be put him over there. You know, so well, I want to really thank you for doing this. Uh, are we? Are we almost in, already well, done? Already? Well, we do about it's about normally I do about thirty minutes. But oh. you're, you're pretty uh, interesting. So are we? Are we already thirty we're, minutes? We're, we're at thirty-five. Holy! I know Toledo. they go. They go, they go we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it again because because <laughs> I think you could probably we could do a whole deep podcast just on maybe when you were speaker and uh, maybe talk about that cool well, i can't be... i can't i can't divulge all the information because some of the members are still alive right yeah well, you can, well they're you almost can, all alive. i'll leave it up to you to you know <laughs> t- tell me whatever you want oh, we had we had we had fun it was an interesting time and a lot of things happened in that period of time oh yeah no that was uh, a lot should, of things happened maybe you should uh, maybe you should do a book 
<laughs> I'm not Bill Sheffield. Have you read Governor Sheffield? No, you know, book? I have not, but I want to read it. I actually, somebody gave me a copy of it, and I, I do want to read it. I'd, I'd, I'd recommend you read it. It has a lot of very interesting, I mean, he's obviously a lot more interesting person than I am, but uh, he's, uh, you know, he's had a lot. What's uh, it called? I forget. Uh, I, I forget what it is now. Well, but, if you're uh, listening, folks, I heard it's a yeah, great book, and I'm going to read it. it yeah, so. it is. I'd recommend it. It's probably a great Christmas gift or a Hanukkah gift or whatever mm-hmm. uh, kind of a whatever kind of a time period of this time of the year you want to, you want to do, but it's a good, it's a good gift for somebody. Well, I really appreciate yeah. it. And you're, you'll be in Juneau and I'm sure you'll be very, very busy. Lot, 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 new governor, new legislature, lots going to be going I'm, on. I'm here. not, I'm not unfamiliar with the governor. You know, one of my clients is the Matsu borough, right? And so he was one of the Matsu legislators for the time he was there. And so I'm very familiar with the governor. Yeah. So uh, last thing I'll say is when, when I ran in 2012 for the Senate, Mike was running for the Senate against um, Linda Menard, uh-huh. and she uh-huh. was in the coalition. Liesl was in the coalition, so yeah. we were kind of running against a very similar person. <laughs> and I reached out to Mike back then, and we got to kind of know each other. And um, unfortunately, since the primary, he's kind of gone radio silent. His phone's been disconnected. I hope he'll. You know? I hope he'll come out of that and talk to you and others. It's too you bad know, though, because, because we've he's talked a for very years. he's a very interesting person. Very, I, I, very intelligent, I mean, very, very very smart. He's been around. Uh, you know, he came up to Alaska. Uh, you know, basically almost a Wally Hickel type story. He didn't have a lot of money in his pocket, came to, uh, you know, a logging camp in Southeast yep. and then moved on and taught school and became, uh, you know, principal and then superintendent and then moved to the Mad Valley and became a school board member, president of the school board, all that kind of stuff. So he's, he's had a lot of, uh, he's had a lot of interesting he, experiences that I haven't had. I mean, I, you know, I pretty much grew up in Valdez and until I moved to Anchorage, uh, 12 years ago or whatever it was, I... I lived in Valdez all my life, any, you know. Any, so. Anybody can be go- become governor, huh? That's right. Well, I've I've known a few of them personally. I knew Bill Egan personally. He really, was friend, wow. friends of our families, the Egan family was, and uh, so I can remember when I was relatively young, Bill Egan coming to our house, and my mother told told him at the time. He said, "You know, John likes politics like you." <laughs> he said, "Well." <laughs> Let me talk to him. So, you know, I came in and you know, I sit down in the chair. It didn't bother me because he was just, you know, his family lived right next across the street from us and they had the pins on liquor store. And so <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he uh, he said, John, he says, if you're interested in politics, first thing you need to do is you need to get on the city council, run for the city council, start at the local level, learn about working with people. And then he said, you can move up later if you want to. I never forgot that. And I was just a kid. You remember this? I mean, I, I was, I was like long ten. way from being probably 10 years old, something like that. And I was long way from running for city council. And, and it was a long time. Good, know, advi- but, good advice. But I, I did ended up running for city council. And then the rest is history. But uh, it is good advice. I, I give that same advice to people. I said, get on your local school board, on the, on the assembly or city council, uh, even on your local even in your local uh, group, community, you know, council. community council group, you know, that's where you get started. Yeah, I, I was on, and, I was on mine for uh, yeah. two years, president, and yeah, that's where you really learn to deal with people. Well, you do, <laughs> you know, the, the, there's nothing like local, local issues, right? Oh yeah. I mean, right down to the local issue stuff, and uh, and you know, the farther up you go, you get to Congress and president, the local issues aren't near the things that they are at the low at the lower level where you're right with the people. Yeah. So well, I want to thank you again, uh, Speaker Harris. This has been great. This is a great podcast. We'll do it again. I think we have a lot more opportunities to talk about stuff and tell stories. And well, I, sometimes I think you get a bad rap, Jeff. You're not well, a bad. Uh, you're well, not a bad guy, you I, know. But uh, you just uh, 
once in a while you you know people a little bit of a character. people throw throw stones at L- you loose but. unit you might you might one might say sometimes yeah you know i uh, i brought that up that that uh, if you remember i brought that up uh, we had a we had a reporter i won't name his name but i had a reporter that was trying to oh, right, listen, right. listen in to the what's going on in the meeting i said there's your loose unit for yeah, the week i know that was a, <laughs> I, I said there's 21 more behind the door <laughs> all right speaker all right. Well, i appreciate you doing this and we'll uh, we'll you talk know. to you next time okay right.